Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Does it go by faster these days? I don't know. To me, it seems like it goes by faster. Welcome in. This is the Late Kick Extra podcast. It is Wednesday. It is May 4th the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Josh Pate. We got a mailbag, the likes of which I've never seen so full this morning. I think we'll have a record number of questions and I'm going to try and get them in as expeditiously as possible. About an 80% chance that word fits there. At Late Kick Josh, Instagram, at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. That's where you can submit questions for this particular format. You know, the best compliment someone paid to me so far this year was this week. Actually, we were playing softball with someone, and they said, you know what you've done for me? You've made it feel like the, well, they said the O word, but I'm going to I'm gonna censor it. The X season, the off season, if you will. It actually goes by quicker because we have so many shows and pods per week that it just it bridges the gap between the last snap of the national championship game, you got signing day, spring practice, and then all of a sudden he said it feels like fall camp gets here a little bit quicker. Hey, that's the biggest compliment I can get. I'm taking that right to management. And I actually feel that way. Now, I can only speak personally and professionally, I guess, for myself. But if that's the way we're making any of you feel, if that was not an isolated example, then feel free to let me know because that means we're on the right track. Let's dive into the mailbag this morning. We're going all over the place here. Uh, Baylor Bearhead leads us off. Who will be the next top tier program in modern college football? And then he gave me some potential guesses here. Will it be a Big 12 team that fills the void left by OU? Will it be USC now that they're dropping a lot of cash on transfers? His words, not mine. Will it be AM with their ridiculous recruiting lately? Will it be someone else? I always gravitate towards the population centers or at least the recruiting hotbeds. Doesn't have to be that way, but it tends to be that way. And then I just I go where the money is. Now, if we're doing that, Texas AM, I think pretty easily makes their way to the top of this list, don't they? If I were to ask you what it takes to be a top tier program in college football, and then you told me, I would probably follow up with, okay, which of those things you just listed does Texas A&M not have? And you probably, even if you wanted to nitpick with me, would only be able to say, well, Jimbo Fisher hasn't shown me this or this or that. But even then, you're, you're casting aspersions, and you know how rarely I use that word, at a guy who's already won a national championship. He's putting together a roster that's going to be capable of doing it year in and year out in College Station. Now, if we want to dive a little deeper down the well here, Keep in mind, the question is, who will be the next top-tier program? That means, by default, we are naming programs that are not top-tier right now. You know I've got a soft spot in my heart for North Carolina. It's not that my uncle secretly works on the staff in Chapel Hill or anything. I do happen to like the color scheme. But more specifically, what I like about North Carolina is the potential of the program. That's why I always go to them. You could go to Miami. You could go to Florida State if you just want to hang out in the ACC. You could go to those programs. I can make an argument for both of the Virginia schools here. Just because they haven't been something in your lifetime doesn't mean they can't be that. And with North Carolina, I look at what it takes to succeed. I look at what it takes, theoretically, to catapult yourself, to do what Clemson did. Clemson has done something that you are told is impossible. Clemson was not a national powerhouse then the playoff happened, then Clemson became a national powerhouse 
after not previously being one during the playoff era. Now, you're told by some of the casuals out there, the playoff era has just served to separate and lift further out of reach the elites at the expense of the middle tier. Well, Clemson proved that wrong, and you know good and well I don't believe that. At least I don't believe the allegation. I believe in Clemson. Uh, North Carolina can do what Clemson's done. It's not necessarily a prediction. I'm just theoretically saying they could do it. Miami can do that. Florida State can do that. Texas A&M can do that. And then when you start thinking about the West Coast, yes, of course, USC could be that. Uh, Of course, Texas could be that. But you know which program I want to go to? I want to go back to the Volunteer State, where I happen to sit this evening. Tennessee. I would go with Tennessee. Tennessee could be that. Uh, Florida, I'm not going to leave Florida out. Florida could be that. In fact, you could pick like half a dozen schools in the SEC that aren't currently there that are there. But if you also look up in the Big Ten, I haven't given up on Penn State. The formula, the ingredients are there. The potential, I guess, is the better word, is there for Penn State. They've got to acquire talent. They've got to develop talent. They've got to be better at quarterback, first and foremost. If you look at which of these programs have served to catapult themselves from a middle tier or that really good eight or nine win range up into truly elite status, number one, it doesn't take that long because the list is short. Number two, outside of Georgia, and even they got good spot quarterback play in the games they won last year, it takes transcendent quarterback play. It takes Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. I go back to Clemson because they're the poster child for this. That's what it takes. If you can get that, if you can get a Joe Burrow to come to your door, I know that's easier said than done, but it only takes one is my point. And then you have that domino effect, and we've talked about that a lot. So those are some of the programs I go to. That is not an exhaustive list. Those are just some that come to mind. Went storm chasing yesterday. First time to visit the great state of Oklahoma. Will not be my last. I also spent the night in Northwest Arkansas National Airport. It's not regional airport. It's National Airport last night. One of you asked, what happened to the nonstops to Prague they used to have there? I thought that was an international airport. That was a jerk comment to make. And I am repeating it only to call you a jerk. I say that lovingly. But it was a great experience yesterday. Went with a couple of our buddies, Zach Hall and Frankie Shepard, friends of the program. And uh, the weather community is a very interesting community. The storm chasing community, very interesting community. A lot of people knock the movie Twister. I'm not here to vouch for the scientific accuracy of Twister, nor should anyone else. It's a movie for a reason. But I'll tell you what Twister did nail. The camaraderie and community in storm chasing nailed it. I mean, they couldn't have done any better if they tried. They nailed it. Anyway... Just wanted to weave that in between question one and question two. Taco is next up. He submitted this on Taco Tuesday, even though you're listening to it on Wednesday. Taco hits us with this question. By the way, I want your answers on this. I need you to give me some feedback because this could serve to really fuel a saucy, saucy segment that we could do later this summer. Here's the question. Which team in Power 5 will have the most improved win total this year? Now think about that for a second. By the very default, of what the question is demanding of you, you've got to go find a team that just sucked last year, or at least their record did. And uh, a lot of you believe you are what your record says you are. And if you're three and nine, it's probably true. Let's be real. So we got to find someone who struggle bust their way through 2021. Nebraska has to immediately come to mind because they had the woeful record, but they also had so many close losses. And therefore, even if you don't think they're improved a whole lot, If you got so many one-possession losses, I think it was like eight of their nine was a one-possession loss, it doesn't even matter if you're all that improved. Last year's Nebraska team could just run it back. Same team takes the field this year, and they could theoretically go like eight and four, playing the same level of football. You just bounce it a different way. 
you know, turn the ball over one less time every couple of weeks. So many things could happen in one possession games. I think sometimes in football, people misconstrue how good or bad or how wide or close the gap is because we score in threes and sevens instead of ones. See, in baseball, it's not like that. You watch a game in baseball and it's four to three or the series is tied up three apiece and you think, boy, those teams are evenly matched. Well, you could turn on a football game and the score be 28 to 13 late in the fourth quarter and you think there's a wide gap between those two teams because you look and say, well, 15 points, those are a lot of points. Yeah, it's two plays. It's two play- In baseball, it's the equivalent of your third baseman booting a ball in the top of the third because it hits off a pebble and it leads to a three-run inning versus him fielding it cleanly, 5-3 put out, inning over. That's how close the gap is sometimes. So with Nebraska, what if that was the case? And then you also have the possibility they could just be better this year. So I'm going with Nebraska because last year 3-9 and nine was their record. I mean, what if they go 8-4 and four this year? That's a five-win difference. They were plus five wins from one year to the next. You're finding me someone out there in FBS that's going more than plus five wins at least. Well, I want to see them. I want to meet them. I want to shake that hand collectively if you find me that team. Lake Alfred, Florida is checking in here. Can you go a little more in-depth on what happened with NASCAR and pro wrestling fans and why you keep relating that to today's college football? This is a good question because I've worked this into a couple of shows recently, and you're right. Uh, those of you down in Lake Alfred, Florida, you're right to call me out on this because I haven't really gone into detail, and sometimes I forget. A lot. we got a huge, huge, massive high school and college-aged audience. It's actually our biggest core demographic, and uh, advertisers get drunk on that statement, by the way. So continue to bring your friends left and right to the watering hole here. Well, the reason I mention your age is because you guys don't remember what pro wrestling was in the late 90s. You don't remember what NASCAR was in the late 90s. Those two entities just exploded. And I don't really know that I can put into words what the pro wrestling scene was like. Monday nights was just total and complete insanity. But also NASCAR. You had the Gordon versus Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Sr. at the time, late 90s feud. And it was so great. It had every storyline woven into it you could possibly want. You had like rich, pretty boy looking Jeff Gordon, who whose nickname was the Rainbow Warrior, and he drove the 24 DuPont car, and it had all kinds of different rainbow. looks like a pack of Skittles driving around the racetrack. And then you had the Intimidator. You had Dale Earnhardt, a legend around the South from dirt tracks to short tracks, and then up to, at the time, I think it was the Winston Cup Series, drove that number three Goodwrench Chevrolet. I'm telling you, even I got into NASCAR in the late 90s. Well, anyway... I was watching both of them, pro wrestling and NASCAR. I'm the perfect person to ask about how this relates to college football because I left NASCAR as a hardcore fan not long after that. And I left pro wrestling as a hardcore week-to-week viewer not long after that. And the reason is because I didn't leave them at all. They left me. When I watched NASCAR start to take its core or what you would call, the, of course, the P1 audience, when I watched them take it for granted, and assume they'll always be there. Let's try and, where have you heard this phrase before? Grow the sport. Pro wrestling did the same. They had a formula that worked, brought massive amounts of young adolescent teen boys to the table. Then they started to tinker with that formula because they wanted to make their product more more palatable to a broader spectrum of potential advertisers. That's all well and good. It's your business. You run it how you want to. But with that action, came an equal and unfortunately a greater opposite reaction of people leaving in droves. And all of a sudden, you go from what they called the attitude era in pro wrestling to three years later, they're playing to half-empty houses. 
still with a massive talent roster. It's not like everyone left. It's the formula. The formula changed. And what they thought was a constant, i.e. crowd, i.e. audience, it was a variable. Those people didn't need pro wrestling. NASCAR, same thing. All of a sudden, you're turning on the Daytona 500, and they can't even paper the track. Papering is when you have not sold the venue out, and so you just give away free tickets. Uh, papering is a very common practice. Well, NASCAR tracks are massive. So if you don't sell that thing out, you could have chunks of like thirty or 40,000 empty seats, and it became a routine. And so in college football, it doesn't always have to be for the same reasons that something happens. But from a 50,000-foot principled perspective, it could happen in college football. College football has had something that's worked for years now. Let's go back to our college audience. If you're 20 years old, you've only known college football in its grandest state. College football has never been bigger in the history of the sport than it has been in your lifetime. You just happen to come along at the right time. So, Jeffrey, you're a sophomore at the University of Minnesota. What got it there? Like, why are you so in love with college football? Now, the answers are going to vary here, but if I were to broadly poll you guys, a vast majority of you would say something like, I love college football because of the uniqueness. I love it because it feels different than any other sport. I love it for the atmospheres. I love it for the tradition and the pageantry. All of these terms are pretty uniquely attributed to college football, in our country at least. You do not use the word pageantry and tradition and whatnot when you're talking about the NBA, when you're talking about the NFL. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with those leagues. Quite the opposite. It means they have their own identity. In college football, our sports identity was that of being unique unto the rest of the landscape of American sports. Well, what happens is people appreciate that and you build up this massive audience. And you know what that audience allows you to do? It allows you to sell out your venues and then expand them because you know you'll still be able to sell them out because you look at those season ticket waiting lists and they're like a scroll. They're a mile long. That's wonderful. That's great. Growth is wonderful for the game as long as you don't sacrifice your authenticity and identity in trying to obtain that growth. It's the same thing for television. So many people were watching this sport. Conferences realized we could renegotiate nine and ten figure deals over the long term. That's great. That's wonderful. Don't sacrifice the integrity of your sport in the process. Well, we're in very, very big danger of doing that. There are a lot of folks out there who are trying to overthink the room or trying to sound intellectually superior to anyone who has the slightest problem with the direction of NIL and the transfer portal right now. And they say things like, Oh, well, the crowd's always going to be there. The people won't go anywhere. And these, these players have always deserved this. This is a free market, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that's all well and good. It's not like I don't understand the theories that you're presenting. Intellectually, you're not flying nearly at the altitude in the room you think you are. You're essentially reciting the ABCs and telling me it's Mandarin Chinese. No, it's just ABCDEFG, HIJK, LMNOP, etc. I get it. I don't agree with it. You could say all you want to about free markets. I'm a free market absolutist. You want to talk free markets? I'm like Ron Swanson over here from Parks and Rec. I got you all day and twice on Sundays on free markets. But I also understand there are certain things that have to exist within the confines of a sport like college football that are pretty unique parameters you would not insert into day-to-day -day life because it would be anti-free market. But it's not the wildest thing to me, and this is where we circle back to what the question was. Where does pro wrestling in the 90s and NASCAR work into this? Well, it's not the craziest concept to me, at least, to say, you know, those people once liked those things, 
And then what they liked about it sort of eroded away, so they didn't like that thing anymore. Uh, that could happen in college football. That's not crazy to me to suggest. Just because you've always known college football being wildly popular doesn't guarantee it always will. So I'm asking you, if you're if you're waving that righteous flag of players' rights and NIL and do whatever you want to, go wherever you want to, what is the cost? Because there's the benefit over there. What's the cost-benefit analysis? You've always got to do that, especially when you're talking about economics. You've always got to do that. What if the cost is in pushing for NIL now, NIL forever, transfer portal, wide open, go wherever you want to, no one cares about tampering uh, because these players are not salaried employees and therefore they should be able to just do whatever they want to. What if in pushing for that, under what you think is a noble cause, you alienate too big a chunk of your core audience and therefore the value, the very thing that gave players the value for NIL to begin with is starting to erode away. Like I said the other night, their value, if you're a middle linebacker for Alabama, if you're a wide receiver for Texas, your value is not merely in your hard work. It's admirable that you work hard. It's incredible that you have the God-given ability you have. That's all well and good. There are a lot of college baseball players out there. There are a lot of college tennis players out there who work really hard, who are the best of the best at what they do, who grind year-round and who have very, very limited free time and deal with mental health issues and all the like, and they don't make anything. Why is that? Well, it's because it takes more than hard work. It takes more than sacrifice and dedication. It takes an audience. People have to care in mass what you do. Like thousands and millions upon millions of people have to care in order to get the kind of money that you're getting right now. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Is it worth pushing that all the way over the cliff if in the process, you erode away the very thing that built the value. It's a bubble. I don't want to be argumentative about it because truth be told, like I said again the other night on the show, we've got a lot of common ground here. Hardly anyone is out here outright screaming, I don't think players should ever be able to make money. I don't think players should ever be able to transfer. No one's saying that. So stop. Please stop with the false-based allegations and arguing over things that don't even exist. There's common ground. Okay, we all pretty much agree that should be the case. And most of us agree it should have been the case a long time ago. Most of us agree the NCAA should have moved on this a long time ago. Well, they didn't. They didn't. So what's the suggestion now? Since they didn't move, it should just be a free-for-all. Is that the suggestion? Because that's stupid. I mean, that's not even, it's not even a matter of opinion. That's just lunacy. So we can't go that direction. Sorry. It's not a matter of opinion. Hammer on the forehead. Bring me something better than that. And I do think over the next few months, because trust me, if you look at the calendar, May, June, and July are very slow times in this industry. Unless, of course, you do our show, in which case you're immune from that because you guys take care of me. But if you look around over the next few months, there are going to be a lot of ideas thrown out because a lot of folks are going to scream, well, everybody's got a problem. What's the solution? And that's not a bad thing to scream. Well, some solutions are going to be presented. Some of them are going to be bad. A lot of them are probably going to be bad. That's okay, though. Sometimes we got to go through a lot of that. we got to Andy Dufresne our way through the pipe of you-know-what before we come out clean on the other side. Hopefully, out of all the bad ideas, a few good ones surface. I know there have been rumblings about people with actual credentials capable of moving on these things, meeting about ways that we can circumvent some of these issues and we can rein in NIL in the portal. I wish you all the best. Sincerely, I wish you guys all the best. Michael, up next, who's the fourth best coach in college football? He says that's a harder question than one, two, and three. Well, Michael, you'd be shocked at how varied the answers would be if you asked the audience, who's your one, two, and three? 
Number one's Nick Saban. And then the fun begins. Who's number two? Michael? Anyone out there? Who's number two? They're listening to us in Enid, Oklahoma. I know because I was there yesterday as I'm recording. Sacramento, California, you guys are out there listening. Des Moines, Iowa, you guys are tuned in. Who's your number two? Who's the second best head coach in college football? You know what I think? I think most of you would say Kirby Smart. That's what I think. And the same ones who would emphatically say that would have said Dabo Swinney no more than a year ago and would have bitten my head off if I suggested otherwise. You know I'm a big Ryan Day guy. You know I'm a big Dave Aranda guy. I don't think it's an apples-to-apples comparison to look at the head coach at Georgia and the head coach at Baylor and say, well, since that one's got a ring and he doesn't, he's better. No, it's not always the way it works. So I'm even looking at one, two, and three, Michael. I'm not, I'm not even willing to say that's easy. I certainly think Nick Saban's number one. Kirby Smart, I, I don't know, two or three or four. He is not past four. I mean, he certainly cannot be. He has shown the ability to build. Uh, he's shown the ability to insulate his program. And that's an underrated characteristic of a coach and a leader, believe me. And he's also now, I mean, the development question's kind of out of the room if you happen to tune into the NFL draft. So he's up there. Ryan Day, I think, is way up there. Where's Dabo at? Dabo's got two national championships under his belt. If you listen to this show, you know that championships haven't always been the end-all, be-all metric for me personally in this conversation. To each his and her own, I've looked at it, like I said with the Dave Aranda example, as not all programs are equally resourced. Therefore, I'm going to judge you based on your resources. Well, Dabo's got good resources over at Clemson, and he's won two national championships. So if we're just going by the trophy case, well, I've got to have him up there. And I do have him up there. But I am of the opinion that we're going to talk about this a lot more over the summer I'm of the opinion we're in a pretty unprecedented situation with Dabo. When have we ever seen a head coach that built his program? He didn't inherit it. He built his program from the ground up, and that program ended up weathering an early storm, settling in, becoming a powerhouse, winning multiple national championships, and playing for even more than they won, and yet still be stuck with something to prove. Because I'm even there on Dabo Swinney. I think he's got something to prove this year. I give him all the credit in the world. I'm not one of these folks who bashes him because he only won due to having great assistance. He hired him. He only won because he had really good talent. He recruited him. You, you can't say that. That's wildly hypocritical because you wouldn't say it about any other coach. And the reality is all of them have had good talent and good staffs if they've ever won a title. But at the same time, I am willing to listen to you if you say, well, we got to see if Dabo Swinney's overarching philosophy on his program really works now and in the future. And that overarching philosophy is he is a big believer in keeping things internal, hiring from the inside. He's not a big transfer portal guy. Uh, this is philosophy. He's got a different one than some other head coaches. I think Texas and Clemson, for very different reasons, are my two most interesting programs to watch this year. And with Clemson, that's the reason. Because Dabo's got two national championship rings. And yet still, you could very, very reasonably argue has something to prove right now. And, and here's the other thing. And listen closely to what I'm about to say. The thing about having something to prove is if you've delivered over and over and over again, that kind of goes by the wayside. Like, let me give you a personal example. I can never be questioned. My ability to do one thing in particular is above reproach at this point. And that is surprise you with an ad break. Be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. little game been going on as of late. Some of you out there have taken to telling me in the DMs, you don't fool me on those ad tosses. I see them coming every time. I knew it was coming last time. Did you, though, to quote a girl in the office here, we'll call her Kristen. Did you, though? No, no, you did not. This is a tough look for you. Take a second, go sit by the garbage, regroup, come back and be better for it. Builds character. That sort of thing builds character. Doug needs none. He lives in Clinton, Iowa. I'm sure he's got plenty of character. He said, should non-playoff bowl games pay potential NFL picks through NIL deals to play in the game instead of opting out? Doug, I've been a proponent of this. I put this on the table last year, really even before this storm of uncertainty came ashore on college football island here. That was vivid. I don't care if you're a future NFL draft pick or if you're a sixth-year super-duper senior who's about to be selling insurance within the next six months. I'm a believer that since we've already made bowl games a mockery in some cases, well, you guys did, not you listeners, but we know who we're talking about when we say you guys. I think we all understand amongst ourselves here. We're talking about old casual Carl, enemy of the people, whether they know it or not. I am of the belief that since we already made a mess and people use the phrase meaningless bowl game like it's going out of style, I think the bowl games should just be honest with themselves, and I think they should be treated as a different kind of college football game. And therefore, you are allowed to do things attached to those games that you're not allowed to do for a regular season college football game. So think about this. It's pretty straightforward. This is not too complex. I think that you should take those bowl games. And if you think that opt-outs are a problem, which they are, and if you think, and I'm not always on board with this, that college bowl games that aren't playoff games are meaningless, uh, let me stress again, I am not a believer in that, but too many people are. Well, how do we rectify it? How do we make things interesting? How do we maximize the viewing experience, which is what it's all about at the end of the day? And how do we 
at least make sure as many guys as possible are playing, that they're not tempted to opt out. Well, we put money on the line. That's how we do it. We put skin in the game. How do we do it with a bowl game? Bowl games make pretty good money. Conferences make good money in TV. And all a bowl game is, is a made-for-television product anyway. That's why they don't care if there's no one in the stands. They're not making their dough off gate receipts and merch sales. I can assure you of that. Well, since we already have that pool of revenue, what I have been a big proponent of is taking a cut of that revenue, bowl game revenue. Let's just call it that for lack of a better term. And I've been a big believer in distributing 70% of that pool to the members of the winning team in the bowl game and give 30% to the losing team. The caveat, of course, is you have incentive to win the game because you get more money if you win. So we don't have to worry about the spirit of competition. And secondly, you are only given access to that pool if you participated in the game, if you were active on the roster. So maybe you're third string and you didn't play. But if you opt out, you don't get a cut of that. Only the guys who were participants in practice leading up to the bowl and the bowl game itself are eligible for that revenue sharing pool. That would do, I think, a lot. It wouldn't solve it completely. I mean, if you stand to make potentially millions of dollars, if you're going to be a top 10 draft pick and maybe your cut of the bowl pie is going to be a $6,500 check, well, no, it's probably not enough to circumvent you not playing. I don't know, quite frankly, what we can do at this point to circumvent that. But absent you know, the top 10 or first round draft picks. Yeah, I think we can do something about it. And at this point, again, understanding that bowl games are different creatures totally than what the regular season is to begin with. Even I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I don't think I would have embraced it if someone suggested it in 1993, but we're in a different world now. And some of the casuals out there made a mess. So the first thing we got to do is we got to take the toothpaste tube out of their hands. I'm very tired of people with the toothpaste tube in their hand saying, oh, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Yeah, dummy, you squeezed it. Give me the give me the tube. Before we fix things, give me the tube. Get out of here. Slam the door behind them. Then we clean up the mess, put the cap back on the tube, and then those of us in the room who didn't make the mess to begin with, we can figure out a solution. That would be a pretty good solution, at least in my humble estimation. Next up is Bradley. He has a retort. Bradley said, I think Connor Wegman has a much higher chance of starting this season for AM than you have alluded to. In every interview, I've heard Wegman has the highest of praise out there from Jimbo. There's a sparkle in his eye when you bring up Wegman. Well, I don't doubt there is, Bradley. I don't doubt that at all. Let me hit the rewind button. Wee, beep, 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 beep. Boom. We are back to December. Or maybe it was February. Either way, we had Jimbo Fisher on the National Signing Day show. Now, of course, he went psychotic when we talked about transfer portal NIL stuff. But before that, you know what he said? He said Connor Wegman was the best quarterback in the country. That's why they didn't go after Quinn Ewers. Those were his words. I asked him specifically about that. And so he had a sparkle in his eye that day, too. He had rage in his eyes later, but a sparkle to begin with. Sparkles often turn to rage. But I remember that, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he can't say anything more than I think the guy's the best in the country. And we were running B-roll as he was talking, and you saw a lot of the highlight plays from Connor Wegman. I don't doubt he's going to do great things out there. What I have said about Connor Wegman, to be very, very clear, and this is a true freshman quarterback at AM, for those unfamiliar, he's out there battling with two guys they can win with, theoretically. Haynes King, who was the starter last year before he got hurt, so he's rehabbed his way back. And then you got Max Johnson, the left-handed transfer quarterback from LSU, who I thought looked a little better in the spring game. That doesn't mean all that much. Even I will admit that. Those are two guys 
who have multi-year experience over Connor Wegman. They aren't stop gaps. They're not just providing depth. They can actually win you football games. Both of them have done it before. Both of them have shown the propensity to be able to do it. And so what do they need this year? Texas A&M, they need consistent, good decision-making. They need accuracy. These just aren't typically things you can rely on a true freshman to do. And you've also got to handle the distribution of reps. You can't just give Connor Wegman enough reps that he'll need in order to start him this year. So that's all I've said about him. I think he's going to be a great player down the road. The only thing I've said is I don't think he's going to be their starter this year. That's it. Next up, TND tweets. Thoughts on Xavier Worthy and Jade Barron deciding to stay at Texas instead of following NIL deals. Did you guys see this? Chris Hummer here at 24-7, who you need to be following if you don't. Go find Chris Hummer. A lot of the national guys in the college football media space, the print media space, they get a lot of run. Let me tell you something. I sit in on meetings with Chris Hummer a lot. The dude works his tail off, First, firstly. Secondly, he's a very good writer. He understands the game. Thirdly, uh, he's very well sourced. I mean, there's a lot of scoop and a lot of juice you'll pick up that you won't get anywhere else over the course of a year following Chris Hummer. So he's still pretty young in the industry. I mean, you'll you'll all know his name five years from now. But, I mean, this is Pate State now. We pride ourselves on being a little ahead of the curve. It's like uh, someone saying, hey, you know what I think? I think Will Anderson's going to have a pretty good year this year. Yeah, he was the best player in the country last year. Welcome to the party, pal. Don't be pal. When is it ever good in life to be pal? So be a pal of the show. Go follow Chris Hummer. Didn't even pay me to say it. Not that I wouldn't accept money from him, but he didn't pay me to say that. Just a really, really good dude. Okay, so the question, back to the topic at hand. Hummer had a story about Xavier Worthy, and I I was out of pocket yesterday, so I didn't see the stuff with Barron. I did see the stuff with Worthy. And it was about, according to Hummer, a school approaching him with high six or even a seven-figure deal to try and leave Texas. Xavier Worthy is a star receiver. He was a true freshman last year. He just totally went off in the Oklahoma game. He's very good. And stands to be even better this year. Well, I hate that. I mean, I hate that that's going on. But my thoughts on the fact that they turned them down, or if you want to call it Texas matching the offer, whatever the case is behind the scenes, my thoughts are good on Texas for finding a way to keep those guys on campus. Long term, hopefully that's not the reality behind the scenes in college football. But if we are to look back in 2024, and we were to say, remember when it was so loose for a couple of years there before we eventually got our hands on the steering wheel and got our sport back onto a more navigable path and people were just coming after your players right after the season ended? Remember that? Remember how they came after Worthy and Barron down at Texas and they stayed? What if we're saying that within the context of Texas, like winning a, a Big 12 title next year if they're still in the Big 12? TBD on that. A lot of you keep asking. When are, the, when are the horns and Sooners leaving for the SEC? I don't know. Shruggy. I don't know. They don't know either. I don't think Greg Sankey knows. I don't think anyone knows. But it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because it at least solidifies in your mind that unlike last year, when at the end of the year everyone's knock on Texas was the culture's terrible, well, at least you have your stud players, Xavier Worthy is the definition of one of those, who are willing to buy into the direction of the program. So that's a good thing. Bray, up next. Hey, I got to have your feedback on this, too, because I may be out in left field on this one. Bray asked, if you had a choice, how would you want your team to win a close game? Walk-off field goal, pick six, Hail Mary, etc. So I was at the national championship game this past year where Georgia kind of did this. They had the pick six. It wasn't with zeros on the clock, obviously, but it was pretty close to it. I am a believer that 
the pick six is the biggest sudden chaotic momentum change thing that you could ever have to end the game. If you had that to end a game, I think that is the absolute pinnacle of how you would want to win a championship in a dream scenario. Like in baseball, everyone knows it's the walk-off home run. Or in the sandlot, it's the Jets stealing home. If you steal home to win a baseball game, I've seen a couple of college teams do that this year. Yeah, okay, that's great. Absent that, it's normally like Sid Bream sliding under the tag of Michael Avaliard on a Francisco Cabrera bottom of the ninth, game seven of the 1992 NLCS hit. Have you have you been able to tell I've watched that a few times? Sean McDonough on the call. Sean McDonough, oh man, he is right up there with my favorite play-by-play guys of all time. Absent that in baseball, in football, I think the equivalent of that is not the Hail Mary. I think the equivalent is the pick six. Because think about the Hail Mary, you have to be on offense to do that. So at least your mind is on scoring. But if you're deadlocked late in a game and the other team's driving on you, like Alabama was on Georgia. Think about where Georgia was. They had had so many opportunities. They had landed a solid blow on Bama's chin so much, and Bama got back up and delivered the knockout shot that they're watching Bama march right down the field again. You know good and well what those people are thinking. And all of a sudden, Keely Ringo picks the ball off and takes it back to the house. I mean, I was standing on the field when it happened. Bedlam, to again steal a word that Sean McDonough used in the 1992 NLCS call, find that, children. If you're in that crowd, I already referenced twice, high school, college age, go type in Braves or Sid Bream Slide, 1992 NLCS. Oh, the McDonough call's great. Like all the Braves fans love the Skip Carey call, and I do too. Sean McDonough on the national broadcast for CBS just nailed it. So back to this. I mean, you go from being scared that you're about to watch your biggest opportunity slip away to not only are you on offense all of a sudden, you're taking that thing to score. That's like seven or eight seconds in real time. You go from chewing your fingernails to the nubs to we just won the national championship. It doesn't happen like that when you're on offense. It can only happen like that when you're on defense. So, Bray, I would say, give me, if it's possible to phrase it this way, the walk-off pick six. Or like the waning seconds of the game, give me a pick six. Because that's kind of what we saw with Georgia. And to me, that's about as crazy as it gets. It may not live on the highlight reels quite like the Doug Flutie Hail Mary or Tua to Devontae Smith. But for my money, that is the biggest sudden, massive emotional turn that a football game can take with a championship of some kind on the line. What's on the line for us right now? Really everything. We have begun to hockey stick as a show, as a podcast, And I know a lot of you are new here, so I try and explain as frequently as I can what we do because I know sometimes it gets confusing. Late Kick Live, we do Sunday night and Thursday night. It's on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. It's at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. I'd love to have you watch the show live. I know some of you like to watch the replay the next morning. We get inordinate amounts of replay traffic on Monday morning and Friday morning because you guys like to listen on your way to work or watch at work. I'm not faulting you. I'm not mad at it. However you watch the show, we appreciate it. We have an average viewership of over 21 minutes right now, which is asinine. So thank you for that. But also, I know some of you like to listen just in podcast form. So we take the recordings of those shows and we put it in the podcast feed. So for the Sunday Night Live show, the podcast is there at 3.33 a.m. Monday morning. For the Thursday Night Live show, the podcast is there at 3.33 a.m. Friday morning. There's a reason why we drop it at 3.33. It has nothing to do with audience engagement or traction. It's just something personal for me. 
Anyway, during the middle of the week, you get what you're listening to right now, the Late Kick Extra podcast. There is no video form of this. Sometimes we do video clips of it. I've been storm chasing for the past month, so we haven't been able to do it on video. But you get this in your podcast feed too. So you get a podcast product from us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Our numbers are insane. Our numbers are better than they were during September and October of the actual football season. So I don't know what else to say other than thank you. really feels like we've started to hit a tipping point where the growth really happens exponentially. A lot of you help us by telling your friends about the show. One of the most proud aspects I have of this show is we've never had to spend a dollar marketing. We still haven't. We still have not spent a dime on a marketing budget because you guys take care of it. You play a role. Hey, that's kind of what the whole paid state mentality is all about. There's an active role for everyone who listens to this show because you own it. I always stand by that and always will. You just kind of let me host it. So I appreciate what you guys have helped us do with the show. Only onward and upward from here. Probably am going to have some news for you in the next month or two. We are working things out. I'm, of course, talking about contract. However and wherever it shakes out, you will still get what you've always gotten from me right here where you've always gotten it. So don't worry about that. Doesn't matter what the logo on the microphone is. The show stays the same. Appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram at LateKickJosh and sub. One last request, subscribe to this podcast on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen, subscribe to it. That's it. And that's all. Have yourselves a great rest of your day for producer Jordan and everybody who's going to have their hands on this thing once I toss it to them. I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for listening and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.